Hey there, fellow truth seekers. It's Jamie Grogan, founder of Solutions for Solopreneurs, an organization dedicated to the healers of the world. We remove the tech overwhelm and the confusion that comes with it. This podcast serves those who need a soft place to fall, a comforting and accepting space to explore the spiritual world. So settle in and listen as our guests share their struggles, challenges, and triumphs on their way to entrepreneurship. Hi, everybody. It's Jamie Grogan with Solutions for Solopreneurs. We are continuing our series, Journey to Entrepreneurship. And today we are having back one of my all-time favorite guests. Um, He was actually one of my first interviews that I ever did. Um, He helped me launch this podcast. And his episode remains one of the number one that um, gets listened to. So if you haven't heard... Um, Miha's first interview, I'll link that in the show notes, but I'm welcoming him back because the journey that he has been on is just phenomenal. And I guarantee you won't hear another story like his. So he has tons of knowledge and tons of experience to share with us. But I want you to go ahead and introduce yourself and thank you so much for sharing time and space with me again. Well, I mean, first of all, thank you. And thank you for your kind words. I don't know. I hope the backlight is strong enough so that you don't see me blush here. Uh, (laughs) No, seriously. Well, thank you for the kind words. Thank you to all your listeners who uh, downloaded that episode so many times and listened to it. And, you know, uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, it's really very easy. I, I think I'm quite approachable and it's easy to have a chat and have a conversation. And if they say that they heard me on your podcast, um, I will be more than delighted to have a conversation with them. That's wonderful. Now, the introduction. Well, I, I think we already covered the whole thing about the fail coach being the fail coach, but maybe just quickly. Uh, I started as a very privileged child. I had the opposite of uh, any kind of bad childhood. I had the most perfect childhood that later on became my biggest adversity because I was just not used to the real world out there. And fast forward, uh, I was lucky uh, that I created companies in the time of all around growth in the world, economic growth. Because of that, I never laid down any foundations. So my businesses were like that first house from uh, the from the story of three little pigs yeah. made out of hay, 
And then 2008, 2009, the finance price about $5 million in personal debt, no option to do personal bankruptcy, depression, anxiety, suicide attempts, and so on. Finally, found my aha moment, start back, um, that a whole lot of personal development first, because it all starts with you and within you. Nothing happens on the inside. It always starts on the inside. And you are that first pillar of solid foundations in the business. So personal development first, then business development. And then with all the lessons learned from the past failures, from I don't know, probably eight, nine failed businesses and projects and so on. I finally uh, created a successful one um, and I was able to grow and scale that from, from day one uh, to $48 million in revenue in the first year, not even a whole year. So from 14th of February to the end of year and then 730 in the full next year. Then I stepped down as the CEO, started negotiating the exit with a huge competitor, a Fortune 100 company. Um, was successful at doing that, was able to repay past debts, and then the whole journey of the fail coach started. So I, I, I hope it's more than enough to remind people. And uh, I don't think we need to go deeply into it. They can really just go back and listen to the episodes, I yeah. think. And I encourage you to do that if you have not done so. Um, it really was one of my favorite episodes and I learned so much from it. And I refer back to it when I'm talking to clients and I have them listen to it <laughs> because it, there really is a lot of really good nuggets of information. And I feel like because you are a man, it almost has more weight because sometimes I feel like men have a harder, not harder journey, but it's just, it's steeper, I wanna say. Um, because women are kind of those feeling creatures already, you know, and for a man, to become that feeling creature and, and start that journey, I think it's just a steeper learning curve. Um, so, so yes, <laughs> you, you are absolutely, I mean, you are absolutely right. Um, the alpha male, the ego, and also a lot of my clients when I'm coaching are actually women. And it's so much easier to work with women. And <laughs> uh, when you give them good advice, they, they really just swoosh past the men because we men, we constantly are looking for um, some shortcuts, even when there are none with women, especially women who, you know, who, who have children um, because they know that, you know, sometimes you have to do stuff. Uh, even if you don't like it, you know, I mean, I, I guess nobody likes changing the diapers or right. waking up in the middle of the night to breastfeed and stuff like that. You just have to do it because right. you have a, this big why on the other side and, yeah. and it's, you know, motivating you to do that, to see that little creature grow into an, 
a man or a woman. And uh, yeah, it's, and you know, you, you women naturally know that it just needs to be done. Sometimes even the things that you might not necessarily love doing, but when there is a higher purpose behind it, with men, it's different. You know, we would just try to find all the excuses and shortcuts and, and there's always the but, you know, like with women, again, when you establish that trust, they listen to you. Yes. Of course, it takes time to establish right. the trust. So I would say that women are a little bit more cautious and right. they need a little bit more time to say, okay, this is really somebody I can listen to. Right. Um, and it goes a little bit step by step in the beginning. But then when once that relationship is, is uh, done, created, um, there's nothing stopping that. I mean, and they really, they go like crazy. Uh, men, you know, always, uh, so many times I hear, yes, Miha, I, I really, I understand you. I fully agree, but <laughs> there's always a but. My situation is different. No, it's not. And I remember I was the same. I, I, mm. I do remember um, I was just the typical man. And, and then, you know, you don't want to talk about feelings because we men, we don't talk about that, you know, like, but the funny thing is, once I became failed coach, once I went through all that transformation, and then mm -hmm. I started, you know, publishing uh, blog posts and, and, and doing videos and just putting content out. Funny thing, my male friends, who I've known many of them for 10, 15, 20 years prior to that, and we would normally just talk about, you know, soccer because here in Europe, we don't talk about football um, <laughs> right. and, and, you know, women and beer and, and computers and cars and just <laughs> the regular topics that men usually talk about. And suddenly they started calling me if, you know, I have time for beer, but then they would start opening much mm. deeper debates. And it was funny because you could see how much they need that. Yeah. But if you don't show that vulnerability first, they don't open up first. That's the right. same with my fail story. Uh, it's not that I love that story so much right. or that I want to repeat it over and over and over. But I understand that if I don't tell it and tell it really authentically, right. people can sense BS if, if you're right. trying to, you know, polish things up and, and right. you know, so real and raw with the good, the bad, the ugly, everything, so that they really have the feeling that I'm honest, then people open up to you. But somebody needs to start. And the same with men. They really, they, I mean, once you get under that, we are mushier than ladies. <laughs> we, we can be more emotional. And, and the things we talk about, I think even the ladies would be like, Oh my God, did you just turn them into little princesses? Uh, but yeah, it takes a little bit of digging uh, to, get, to get underneath that. Right. Uh, and yeah, um, I guess uh, I know that a lot of men have much easier time talking and opening to women. Um, mm -hmm. I have quite a few clients who are women 
who are coaches or consultants and so on, and they predominantly work with men and they really work beautifully. And, and because men with women, we, you know, you already know that you can go deeper, right. but when you are man to man, then, you know, right. you need to be that alpha, macho, right. whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Right. Oh, I definitely understand. I grew up with all boys. Um, so I was very much a tomboy growing up. Um, and it wasn't until my kids were grown and gone that I started to embrace my femininity again. Um, because I always had to be the problem solver and, you know, be one of the guys. I didn't want to be considered weak or, or anything. Um, so I, I definitely understand it. But there is so much to be learned from each gender being vulnerable, you know? Yeah, and I, I think we need the both components. Right. I mean, yes, you know, when you're a man, the man component is a little bit more dominant, but we need to embrace the other part as well because Absolutely. the beauty comes from, from the balance yeah. of both sides. And I mean, honestly, you know, it's, it's all how we view things, how we look at things. Like, really, there's almost 8 billion of us out there. I mean, why would you chase clients that you have nothing in common with and you wouldn't want to work with? They will just, you know... Drive you crazy. Drive you crazy and everything. <laughs> when you can choose to work with the people that you would love working with. I mean, how hard it is to find those... 50, 100, 1,000 people. I mean, how much do you, you know, how many of them do you need? Uh, I mean, even if you have a small, simple mastermind and you sell it for 20 bucks a month, 1,000 people, that's 20,000. Some of them will upgrade to something else. Right. Bam, you know, you're making a very solid multiple five-figure monthly income. Right. And, and, you know, you don't even have to sweat too much with it right and i i really like the fact that you talk a lot about attraction rather than chasing um because i feel like people say well i gotta advertise so that i can find my clients instead of what you say is attracting so you're putting out content you're being authentic but you're attracting your clients you're not chasing and begging and you know searching so if you could talk a little bit about that i would love for you to to give our listeners that kind of a um a spin sure i mean I, don't get me wrong um uh, i do follow-ups as well i mean we have this process in place i mean that's just common sense so when you talk with somebody and there's clear idea that there's an interest to somehow work together or to become client of one another i mean of course you follow up and, and follow those procedures but i think it's that early stage um, mm -hmm. where instead of focusing on chasing three or five potential people you broadcast yourself a bit wider with a very clear message so that you're attracting the right kind of people and then you create what I call an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, ecosystem is 
really, it's nothing fancy. It's just a way for you to communicate one to many in as much controlled way as possible so that people actually see your content. I mean, even your Facebook profile can be in a way ecosystem. Unfortunately, the algorithm is working against you because only three to 5% of the people you're connected with will actually see your content. Now, if it's a bit better and you know, if your audience is quite aligned, then that percentage will go a little bit up. Now, of course, with email marketing, you'll reach 10, 15% of the people. With chatbots, you can reach 95% of the people. Right. And so there are so many different ecosystems. I mean, my clients use everything from offline ecosystems like meetups, uh, just new newsletters that they print and send to elderly people because mm -hmm. they aren't on social media or are harder to reach there. And they figured out that it's easier to just send out a print and send out a newsletter. Mm -hmm. um, all the way to Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, SMS groups, uh, WhatsApp, uh, uh, Slack groups, <laughs> Slack, Telegram, yeah, yeah whatever. I mean, it's ecosystem, like really everything needs to be a blend between something that your audience wants I mean, if you create a Slack group and I'm really not a Slack user, you lost me. Right. So it needs to be a blend between something that works for you and something that works for your audience. And, and you know, somewhere in between, you find that sweet spot. And yeah, now depending on what you choose, those percentages of how many people are exposed to your messaging will differ. And, you know, of course, you try to find a platform that enables you as much of uh, engagement as possible so that more people can see what you're broadcasting. But, you know, yeah, um, if, you, if you do enough of the outreach and all you have to really do is get people into the ecosystem and then it's super simple. In ecosystem, basically you do four types of content. Every now and then you do some engagement content, you know, a picture of your kid, a picture of your puppy, uh, uh, you know, a, a crazy, nice looking cake or just something that's a little bit engagement baiting, right. something easy, something that people can comment on, super simple. So, you know, if, if most of your audience is lovers of animals well you know i am one i mean my phone is full of my doggies i yeah. don't have any pictures of myself uh but you know <laughs> my doggies videos uh, pictures so when somebody says hey post your uh you know your your pet bam <laughs> so it needs to be something super easy right and it should you should aim for comments, not for just likes, and, and because those comments really boost the algorithm. Yes, okay. So uh, that's one thing, is every now and then a little bit of engagement baiting. Uh, and then you have three main types of content. About 60-70% of your content, roughly, I'm not, you, you don't have to like follow that to a T, should be giving value. Something that things that are valuable to your audience, it can be done by you, 
It can be surrounded by what you do. But, you know, if you're an accountant, you can invite, you know, a marketeer, a business coach, a salesperson, because people who, you know, are interested in accounting are business owners. So if you curate the content and bring good guests so that they can share the value to them, they will say, well, we need to stick with Jamie because, you know, she brings all these great people together. She's a valuable resource. So value doesn't always have to be just you. Right. Um, And value can be plenty of things. I mean, you know, um, in in, in the Leverage of Trust group, we do networking events uh, and, you know, just people jumping on and getting to know each other, exchanging a few words and then connecting. We already, we did like two or three networking events, super easy. Um, And uh, we already, a lot of people have connected together from just those few simple events. And some business opportunities are already emerging from that. Absolutely. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so some things that are valuable, it doesn't always have to be, you know, you in front of the whiteboard explaining stuff. Right. Uh, and then the rest 30 to 40% is divided between two things. Uh, one half should be showing the proof. So case studies, testimonials, you know, Uh, Maybe you bring a client to do an interview with you. I've done many times interviews like that for uh, people I bought stuff from, different service businesses and so on, and just explaining how my journey with them was. Right. Um, And then the other half of the 30-40% is uh, building rapport. Mm. Little glimpses, you know, into who you are, what you stand for, uh, you know, maybe when you're working on something, you know, maybe, I don't know, um, if you're a baker and you're making these cupcakes, you know, and, and packaging them nicely, like, ooh, creating this for a client and you, maybe you video yourself. And right. uh, if you have a bigger company and you guys go for a team building, you know, uh, make a few videos, make a few photos, this is how our company is enjoying our team building day. So just, you know, we as human beings, we are drawn to other human beings. And when we start following somebody, we want to know everything. We want to know what they believe in, what they stand for, what's their opinion on everything. Right. You know, we, we become stalkers because <laughs> we want more and more and more. It's so hard to connect with, you know, a brand. Yes. I mean, you know, Look at Apple. Yeah. We, are all, we, will, we were all Apple fans because of Steve Jobs and uh, Wozniak. Right. Um, even if you look at Nike, Nike is amazingly using those brand ambassadors because we can connect. You know, I, I, I remember when I was young, I had uh, Nike Jordan shoes, yeah. many Air different Jordans. versions. Air yeah. Jordans, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. It's 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 easier to connect with those things than with just a, a brand. Right. And even if you look at different trends in PR and in marketing on a very high level, because you know I also do leadership coaching for, for example, Coach New York, the fashion brand. Ooh, uh, nice. I, I I just became their uh, official leadership coach a, a few weeks ago, 
and we are continuing. Thank you. Uh, and uh, uh, the, all this Fortune 500 and 100 and 1,000 companies, uh, they are pushing the CEOs more in the front or they are picking brand ambassadors, but they are understanding the power of personal brand attached to the business. I mean, look at Tesla. More people mm. follow Elon Musk than Tesla, the company. Right. right. Yes. And so on and so on. So right. building that rapport and, and, and then we come to, you know, being who you are. I mean, I'm often asked, Miha, what's your definition of happy life, successful life? My answer is always the same. Uh, living in alignment with who you truly are. First, you need to take the time to figure out because we are so influenced by the social media and media and our parents and children and friends and, you know, everything around us. And we often lose ourselves very quickly. Yes. So we need to do that deep dive and figure out who we are. And then everything becomes easy. Who do I want to work with? Well, with people who I align with. Right. Um, what do I want to, you know, saying yes or no to things? Is it aligned or is it not? Does it go with my values or not? With my beliefs or not? With my goals or not? <clears throat> Sorry. So it, it, the whole thing really becomes super easy when you know who you are and what you stand for. And then you, you shouldn't be afraid to show to people who you are and what you stand for. That's right. That's right. That goes back to something I wrote down um, that you said in the very beginning, which is you are the first pillar. <coughs> that means so much to me because when people talk about um, a foundation, they think of it more as like, you know, um, a slab of concrete, right? A big long, huge square slab of concrete, instead of thinking about yourself as that pillar that which everything is built on. So if you don't know who you are as that first pillar, then like you said, you, you're building your house on a, on a foundation of clay or straw. Um, and that just rings so true to me because um, as a mom, once you your kids grow up and you know your life slows way down and you look around and you're like hmm what do i do now <laughs> i don't have anybody to mother i'm not you know worried about school clothes and homework and you know and so now you're left with just yourself and if you don't know who you are it's it's scary and it's um can be depressive because um, I went through it and I know tons of women do um, and so that just yes. that you are the first pillars just I mean women uh, often do that uh, I guess that motherly instinct is is just so strong and the same goes for entrepreneurs because our businesses become those babies right um growing a business is almost like you know raising a child sure. and then you know at one point later on when you reach the point of maturity um all you can do is is trust that you've built strong foundations into that little human or 
into your business and you need to let go. Right. It's, it's, it's really just the same as with mothers when kids turn 18, 19 and they go to college. Same thing. Right. And then if you weren't, if you didn't keep working on yourself, you find yourself with this void Yes, and it's hard to fill it up. So, I mean, um, one of my programs is uh, teaching people about uh, firehouse, uh, how to spend more time in the firehouse versus being out there taking away fires because Mm -hmm. those fires never really stop. And for that program, I created a little checklist. I call it the daily firehouse checklist. And it goes from, you know, did you sleep seven to eight hours? And then did you do the morning routine? And then the most important things in the morning routine and and so on and so on. And mindfulness check-ins and energy level check-ins throughout the day and all the way to the evening routine where you wind down before you go to bed. Um, so it kind of like encompasses your, your whole day. But there are two very important things in that, in that list. Um, every day, my clients have to do something for self-care. Mm. And every day, they have to do a random act of kindness. Oh, random. I love that. That's amazing. Oh. And that's very important part. Uh, of being an entrepreneur, understanding, being humble and having the gratitude of where you are by doing something selflessly for for somebody, I think that really grounds you and really fills you with, with, you know, that being humble of where, how far you've came, but, you know, still being very in touch with what can happen overnight if you're not careful if you don't stay vigilant right and 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 self-care yes because i mean you are no good to anybody uh because you can't give what you don't have and if you don't take care of yourself if you're if you if you don't feel energetic if you're not happy if you're not satisfied well first of all you will then you know pour all that negativity onto usually people you care about the most because you feel most comfortable with them because maybe at work you can't do that talk to your boss or to your employee or whatever right but then at home you know your children your spouse gets the whole everything uh what was boiling through the day so I mean, that's not how, you know, it should be. Um, So if you are not maintaining that, even on an airplane, what do they always tell you? If the pressure drops, mask mask to yourself first. Because if you don't do that step, and if you take care of your child first, that, that mask might not even go on your nose and on your mouth, and then your child will become mother or fatherless right and and you know it's true in everything if you don't take good the thing is the uh, i know that a lot of people when i'm talking about these things they think well Mika, that's so egoistical you know i'm thinking just about myself well one thing is 
depends how your values are. So it can be very egoistical or it can be, it can be very self-nourishing with the, uh, what happens is you start overflowing and then you have to give it away. Right. You have to spread the love. You have to spread the energy. You have to give because otherwise you will burst from how happy and satisfied you are. That's right. That's right. Um, I have a client who I've been working with. She's my, my, she was my very first client and I've been working with her for two years now. And um, she made a statement once um, that just blew me away. Um, she said, most people don't understand the um, saying, my cup runneth over. So she said, you're supposed to give away the extra, not everything in your cup and yes. I always thought that you're supposed to give you know all of that everything that's in your cup you're supposed to give and you know God or the universe would provide you and replenish but it's actually not that's not how you're supposed to do it you're supposed you to have it. to right do it you yes nobody else thought, will do that I thought that was just so profound and I had never heard in all of my church going years, I never heard anybody explain it that way. Um, well, if you allow me just quickly here, sure. because a lot of my clients are in different, uh, you know, the, the woo woo zone uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, or how is that called? Like, you know, life coaching and healers right. and therapists and so on. And, uh, for, especially for them, they think that they have to just give it all. Right. What happens is that they burn themselves out yeah. uh, and, and then they crash and, and, they, and they have to re-energize themselves for a few right. days. And so, uh, again, an important thing from that checklist is 10 times a day, my clients, they have to do energy check-in. Mm. So... Because uh, managing your time is pointless. I mean, that's why I, I, I don't believe in managing time because we all have 14, 40 minutes in a day. How, what you do with them is very important and you can't do much if you are not at your peak levels of performance. So exactly. you, you have to maintain that good energy balance to be able to be productive and, and also to, to be able to keep giving because you maintain that level where you don't go into a burnout. Right. You don't, you don't um, dry your cup out. Um, yes, because you have to understand that if you dry it out, you have nothing to give. Yeah, right. It's just, just to me, it's such a profound difference in the way you think and your inner dialogue like we were talking earlier because um you know i i was brought up to to that would be thought of as selfish that would be thought of as egotistical if i were to say um i can't help you right now because you know for whatever reason i i'm trying to take care of myself and it's been very, very, very hard for me to get out of that, you know, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted emotionally. 
and my friend calls and I know that she's going to be, you know, complaining or, or need advice or whatever. And I really don't have it to give, but I answer the phone anyways. Um, and it's been hard for me to get out of that practice um, and get to the point where I say, um, you know, t right now is not good and just leave it at um, that. No explanation. I, I think you need to do a different thing. My, this would be my suggestion. What I'm usually seeing is that we actually have to work on a different thing, which mm. is rediscovering and falling in love again with ourselves, mm. but rediscovering that love for ourselves. Because if you really love yourself, and if you live in alignment with who you are and you become mindful of those things, um, it's very easy. And, you know, it, it can be done in such a nice way. You don't have to be rude or anything. Right. You can even answer the phone and politely, you know, say, excuse me, but right now it's, it's really not the time. I have something else that I need to take care of. I will call you tomorrow. Um, and that's that. I mean, you can do things in such a polite way. And even, you know, when we go to a movie, we, I mean, at least here in Europe, we put our phones on do not disturb. Right. Um, and for those two, three hours, you don't look at the phone, you look at the screen. Right. And those same people might be calling. So why would you, you know, yeah. not put, do not, why wouldn't you do a do not disturb even when you're at home? And just right. disconnect because right now I need 30 minutes of time for to do a meditation because then I'll be able to operate at a higher energy. Right. And sometimes even cutting some people out of your life because they just suck your energy. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, you have to put yourself first to be able to give more and more and more. Uh, I know that everybody is all about impact and, and, and all of that, but how do you scale your impact? Mm. You know? Right. That's right. I mean, nobody has unlimited resources. Even US, even China, even, you know, Apple, all the big boys, they're still limited. They have huge resources. That's true. Um, but they, they still have limits. Right. And we all have those limits and we need to be aware of that. And so um, we have an amount of energy and time and so on. And we really need to use that wisely because if you give, give, give for three days, but then you need three days of recovery. Well, you know, those were just half assed days and not full right. days. So. Right. Yeah. And I, the, the, the inner dialogue that, you talked about, um, I think is one of the things that people gloss over, you know, they just say, Oh yeah, well, you know, I, I have negative thoughts, but you know, I don't really believe them. Um, and I know for me personally, um, I've had to really work on that inner critic and, you know, saying to her, you know, thank you for reminding me that I'm still working on my weight you know, when I look in the mirror and say, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so disgusted with how I look, you know, and then I'm catching myself saying, okay, that is not the right, you know, kind of dialogue that I want to have in my, my head, because I would never say that to someone that I love. So for you, when you, 
work with your clients on that inner dialogue, how does that begin? Because I think that's one of the things that people struggle with the most is how do I start working on the inner dialogue? Well, first it starts with learning how to be present, how to be mindful. So not mindful in a sense of mindful meditation. I mean, that's really good one. So, you know, uh, but mindful as being present, being present throughout the day and being in the driver's seat. The thing is, our autopilots got us where we are. So that's our autopilot. That's our inner monologue and all the autopilots that we do. Inner monologue is just part of the autopilot. So obviously we need better autopilots, but to change those habits or the way we talk with ourselves, we need to turn off the autopilots for a while so that we are actively deciding on creating new autopilots that will serve us in a different way. Um, And so, yeah, like uh, mindfulness and emotional intelligence are are Mm. two so important soft skills. Uh, Emotional intelligence has four pillars. Usually people skip the first three. The first pillar is self-awareness, a bit broader. So not just you diving in, But then also you having conversations with people in your life and creating that safe space where they can tell you everything. Because what I've learned through working with the Fortune corporations is that eight to nine out of 10 leaders uh, have completely different thinking on who they think they are and how their peers and and, uh, workers and so on see them and then how they are really perceived by by those. So one thing is diving in yourself and then also opening that space to enable communication to learn how others see you as well. So self-awareness and then we self-management. And that's where mindfulness and so on and turning off the autopilots come in. Then it's social awareness. Often we are, you know, we, we, we are so much in our head that we go, we get into a room and we don't stop and observe a little, you know, like we just have to push our agenda through. Mm. But first we need to be observant. We need to be aware of situations and uh, just do a little bit of that. And then number four is managing other people, but most leaders and most entrepreneurs and CEOs, they skip the first three and they go directly to managing. And that's where things start backfiring. But yeah, all of a lot of those things that I do with my clients first, we need to learn about this too. Emotional intelligence and uh, mindfulness. And that's where we usually start. And then we go from there. Right. And because those two, I think, are such important fundamental yes. pillars of, of your, uh, your foundation. And then you start building on top of that. And it's, right. it's really so, so it becomes very easy. Right. I, I love that. And I completely agree with everything you said um, about the emotional intelligence um, and the mindfulness is something that I've been working diligently on for about 
six months now. Um, and it is getting easier. Um, but like you said, that autopilot is, it's, it's the enemy um, when you're trying to change your um, inner, inner thoughts and how you... Yeah. Well, usually you have to always, you know, sometimes we, we try to come to quick conclusions. Uh, but usually with all of those things, especially, I mean, you know, I was overweight all my life. I mean, I still am, but I lost about 130 pounds already. Wow. wow. Uh, so I was really obese. And, you know, usually you start with what's on the surface, mm -hmm. but it was, you know, going deeper. It was how I was reacting to stress. So my reaction was usually... I wasn't eating throughout the day because I was just go, 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 go. And then 4 or 5 p.m., you can't do anything now until tomorrow morning. And then that relaxation came and all that stress. Was, I don't know, in a way, relieved pizzas and a burger, uh, uh, you know, uh, carbohydrates. Uh, bad food, uh, um, you know, like really greasy, salty, sugary. And, I, you know, but the thing, how, how I did what I did with my weight loss is so stupidly simple. Um, basically, you have a scale of one to six. Six is you just go back in time and you remember when you were the fullest, you thought you will explode. And one is, you know, when you felt so empty that you felt that your stomach is eating itself. <laughs> That's how hungry you were. And then you fill the gaps in between. The, the key is not to go below two. Mm. And so what I did, I just created a whole bunch of reminders in my phone. You know, um, how do you feel? how hungry you are. That was all. That was yeah. the question. And just yeah. repeat every hour. And so the thing is, uh, the optimum is being at three to four. Right. And so when you start going and you come to two, then things start speeding up. You know how in a car you, you put in the gas and it goes slowly down. But then when you come to the last third, you, it, it almost feels like you do a few <laughs> miles and bam, it goes from one third to empty. Right. Same is with the fuel in us. And, and, and that hunger becomes quicker and quicker and quicker. Right. So be, becoming more mindful that I stay at around three, I was starting to plan. I wouldn't do stupid decisions and, you know, buy takeouts and so on, because now I had the time. I had time to go to a restaurant to order, you know, a salad and this and that. And when you are not hungry eyes, you actually can do good decisions. Right. Uh, but the thing is, when you let it fall to a one, I mean, then, you know, like I'm unstoppable, like no <laughs> fridge will stop me. And then you don't eat just enough to go to three, no. but then you go from one to six. Right, right. So the whole thing was just reminders in the phone and just being mindful that, you know, and, and then making healthier choices. Not always. When I was craving something, I would do it. But, right. you know, because I was at the three or maybe, you know, two and a half, it was okay to eat 
a slice of pizza instead of a whole pie. Right, right, yeah. The problem is when, and I was doing that same thing. I would go to one or to even zero, overload to six, wait, 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 wait. Oh, now I'm okay. But then, you know, it goes faster and faster and I would allow it to go back to a zero and overload again. And I was just right. doing this on and off, on and right. off. And that's where the problems really happen. And so I don't do much exercise. I mean, I do the walks with my dogs, but that's really it. Mm-hmm. And I, I shake my booty a lot when, I'm, when I uh, scratch off my to-dos because every time when I finish a to-do, I do the happy dance and, and <laughs> I just found a great playlist on Spotify uh, with twerking. So I need to try that tomorrow. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, Miha, you're always just such a pleasure to chat with. Thank you so much for taking the time again. Um, I'm sure I'm going to ask you again to be on because um, I really do feel like you're one of those rare people um, that as you grow, the more knowledge that you obtain and retain, the more you can share it with others. Because you have this way of um, explaining difficult topics um, easily, um, to you know, so that they're digestible for the, the well, thank you. person. So. I guess that's my love with Apple, you know. Even in my last startup, we were doing a very highly technical thing. Is what It was a lot of big data analysis and artificial intelligence. We were helping big retail chains and big hotel chains to save on how much electricity and gas they mm. use and, and spend. But my benchmark was always my mom because we created software solutions and so on. And every time our IT department would create something, I went to my mom because she's really like, like every virus you can get. Well, thankfully, then I upgraded her to Apple so she doesn't have uh, viruses anymore. But before that, like I was tech support every day. So yes. I would go there, sit her down and... I, I just believe that, you know, the simpler things are, uh, the better. If you need to pretend and use the high vocabulary, which right. usually is what politicians use in Europe, they talk this, this university, uh, doctoral degree style language, right. even when they're explaining the simplest things. Right. It's just because they're full of BS. Exactly. Oh, completely agree. Oh, well, thank you so much again um, for joining me. Um, like I said, it's always just, you always leave me with so much to think about and, um, you know, nuggets of information that I can actually implement into my life and into my business. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you for the kind words. And as always, it was a huge pleasure chatting with you. I know I was the chatty one today, but uh, yeah, I always enjoy our conversations. <laughs> Me too, Miha. Thank you so much again. You have a wonderful evening. Bye now. Likewise. Bye-bye. <laughs>